continue our series called Resolution. We began this last week as we think about New Year's. We think about New Year's resolutions, things that we maybe want to change to be a better version of us in 2019. And so we kicked it off last week talking about the resolution concerning our thought life, that we need to guard my thoughts. And our first resolution was simply this. This year, I will guard my thoughts carefully, knowing they influence my attitudes and actions. And I just want to say that every week we post our one significant idea from our sermon on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and we encourage you to share those. Some of you have friends that maybe need to hear some of the stuff that's happening here, and it might pique their interest of what's happening at Neighborhood Church if they don't yet attend a fellowship. So I encourage you, as you see stuff like this on our page, you share it, because it might be helpful for somebody else to hear. Because we live in an age where people are more connected than ever before, right? But yet, we also live in an age where people are more lonely than ever before. How can that possibly be? How can we have this kind of oxymoron of being more connected to people than ever before, yet more lonely? How does that happen? We have uh, exchanged, in my opinion, we've exchanged you know, shallow social media relationships or consumption or connection or even our activity-based friends, I call them, where maybe your kid plays a game and you have friends that... Their, your, their kids play with your kids, and so you have activity-based friends, and we've substituted these shallow connections and activity friends for those deeper connections that we really need as humankind, that we need each other. Uh, and in fact, the relational impact of social media has redefined the word friends, hasn't it? Because now friends just means somebody has to click a button. And isn't that easy? Click a button and your friends. In fact, the average American has more than 300 Facebook friends. So if you're not there yet, don't give up hope. But the average American has 300 Facebook friends, but only two close friends. I mean, that means friends that aren't connected just via social media. And that is down a third over just 25 years ago when most people had at least five to eight close friends that you actually had to spend time with and be with face-to-face. According to the American Sociological Review, a quarter of Americans, of Americans, that's 80 million people, a quarter of Americans have zero close friends. Zero. Maybe you're here in the room today and that would qualify for you. I don't have a close friend. I don't, I don't have that kind of relationship. And that's a very difficult place to be. In fact, poverty used to only mean one thing. When we talked about poverty, we talked about somebody's material wealth. They don't have any. But today, you know what? We've added to the definition of poverty a couple of things. One of those is spiritual. People are living in spiritual poverty and relational poverty, where you are surrounded by people, yet impoverished relationally. And this is getting worse more than is getting better, especially with our digitally trained young people who are growing up and substituting digital connections for deeper intimate relationships of friends. And this has drastically reduced the healthy influence and intimacy that deep friendships can bring. Many of you can think back to some deep friends you had that you know really helped you, really encouraged you, really shaped your life, and today maybe you're missing those people in your own life. Yeah, there might be still on Facebook with you, but you don't have that same kind of connection. And that leaves us feeling truly less connected to others than we have been before. And then our relationships become superficial. They become selfies or quick little one short phrases on social media to try to describe our life and reach out for connection. You know, research suggests that loneliness should do something. It should move us to seek friendship 
But what do we do in today's society instead? We seek more friends on social media. We try to connect with other people, thinking somehow that will satisfy, and it doesn't. Why? Because true relationships, they take time. True relationships, they're messy. People will hurt you. Friends will hurt you. I get it. It's messy, but we don't give up hope. True relationships, they also require something from you, and that is vulnerability and transparency. You can't be fake behind an airbrushed one statement of life because when you're with somebody, it's pretty obvious the challenges you're facing. So because of that, loneliness is really more about quality than it is quantity. We don't have the quality time or the quality friends that we need, and so we become lonely. So today, our resolution for today, we'll get to it in a minute, but it has to do with pursuing healthy relationships. My challenge for you in 2019 is to pursue healthy relationships, because maybe you have two close friends, but as you begin to look at what those close friends do, maybe it's not healthy. All right, so I want to just kind of start with a, a, a story from Scripture. We're not going to use it as a primary text, so we don't need to go there. But many of you have heard of the prophet Elijah. We find this story in, in the book of Kings. And then in 2 Kings, we see another prophet coming to the surface while Elijah is still alive, and it's Elisha. God basically tells Elijah, I want you to go anoint Elisha to become the prophet for Israel. And so he does that, and Elisha kind of becomes the understudy of the great prophet Elijah. And Elijah did pretty awesome things as a prophet of God, did some pretty miraculous things. But as we come to this point of the story in 2 Kings, Elijah knows his days are numbered, that God is going to take him away. And he tells Elisha to stay here while he goes away. Elisha's like, no way, wherever you're going, I'm going. I'm going to follow you. And so Elisha follows Elijah as they go to Jericho. And he tells him in Jericho, you know what, Elisha, just stay here. And Elisha's like, no way. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. And so they make their way toward the Jordan River. And through a miraculous act of that river parting, when Elijah slaps his cloak on the water, they cross that Jordan River and go into this wilderness territory where, again, Elijah says, okay, what is it you want from me? And Elisha says, I ask from you that when you leave, I receive a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah says, it's kind of a hard thing to ask, but if you're here and you see me when I leave. And so that moment finally came. The chariot of fire came down, plucked up Elijah, and his mantle fell and fell upon Elisha. And Elisha did, in fact, leave with a double portion anointing on his ministry, and Elisha did even greater things than the prophet Elijah did. What's my point? I think in this Bible story of this Elisha's pursuance of Elijah, we see something so critically important in the spiritual concept related to our relationships, and it's this. Who we choose to follow will determine to a large degree who we become. Who you choose to follow will certainly impact to a large degree who you become. If you want to become a great person this year, then you got to surround yourself and follow great people. In fact, I love what Craig Rochelle, a pastor of Life Church, uh, author, he says it this way concerning friends Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. So when we connect with another person, we become a conduit for their values, their beliefs, and their decisions. In fact, the Bible reminds us of that in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Listen to it. The righteous choose their friends carefully. 
Isn't, I, this is why Proverbs is like so still for today. And um, some of you haven't even opened up the book of Proverbs. Listen to me, it's easy. You can read a proverb a day, there's 31 Proverbs. It's like a vitamin. Take a proverb a day, keep the bad stuff away, right? It says this, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And some of you know this to be true. You've had friends that would be classified in God's eyes as wicked, and they have led you astray. In fact, I know this. Isn't it true that you rarely get into trouble alone? I mean, think back to your more mischievous days, or maybe that was yesterday for some of you. Isn't it interesting that when we got in trouble, we seldom get into that trouble alone? We have unwise friends who help us make unwise decisions, and then we reap the unwise consequences. And some of you know that. You've got friends even today who still, when you're with them, it brings out the worst of you. You know that to be true, but what I also know to be true rather than just focus on the negative, I know this to be true in my own life. Just like I had friends that influenced me negatively and I had some boneheaded decisions I made as a kid, I also know that some of my proudest moments, some of my greatest moments, some of my wisest moments were also not alone. That I had a wise friend or an influencer in my life who was with me when I made my best decisions. We seldom do our greatest or do our worst alone. So here's resolution number two for today. This year, I will pursue healthy relationships that inspire and influence me to become the best version of me. Do you know that God has a version of you that he has seen? We'll call it a destiny. God has a purpose and a plan, a version of you. So I know this can sound so human-oriented, so don't miss the point. God has a plan for your life. But how many know we need people around us who help us, encourage us, influence us to become the best version of us, especially in 2019. So that's our resolution for today. But how do I do that? Right, great resolution, Kelly, but come on, I need a little more than that. All right, well, here's three friends you need in 2019. Three friends. We're gonna look at the life of David. We're gonna find these three friends in David's life. And if you can find these kinds of friends, I guarantee you this. If you listen to those kinds of friends and receive their input and influence, you will become a better version of you this year. And I've gleaned a lot of the material for this message today, not on my own, but from the book that Craig Rochelle wrote called Divine Intervention. That's a great book. Um, and he kind of talks to one section of friends. I kind of modified his thoughts for Neighborhood Church, but I think they're appropriate for today. The first kind of friend you need to become the best version of you. A friend to challenge you and call out your best. A friend to challenge you and call out your best. Everyone needs a friend who helps them become a better them. And in fact, helps you want to become a better you. And so we see this in the Bible. David hasn't even entered the stream of scripture yet. And the prophet Samuel is sent to Bethlehem to anoint the next king of Israel because King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, did not, did not honor God. He was not humble all the way through his kingship. And so God removes his blessing upon Saul and seeks out another king to be next. And so he sends Samuel to go to Bethlehem where Jesse's family lives. And Jesse, the coming of the prophet was kind of a big surprise. When a prophet comes, you're either in judgment, you're going to die, or something bad's going to happen. So they come to Jesse's house, and Jesse's like, what? What are we going to do? And, and so Samuel wants to stay with them, and eventually he invites uh, Jesse's boys to come out so he can see them because he's watching for the next king, right? And he looks at all these sons, 
And he thinks one of them specifically could be the next king. And God says, don't look at the outward appearance, right? Because that's where you look, but I look at the heart. And none of these boys are to be king. And so Samuel says, Jesse, are these all your boys? Is this all you got? So, well, we got one out there in the field, David. We didn't even really think about him when you came to town because he's just David. He said, bring him in. I'm not going to sit down until you bring him in. They bring in David. The Lord prompts Samuel immediately, this is the king, arise and anoint him. This little young lad tending sheep, still smelling of sheep coming in from the outdoors, he's going to be the next king. And what I love about this story is that Samuel, by the help of God, sees the destiny in David, anoints him, and calls out that destiny. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Wonderful story of the anointing of King David. God used one man, Samuel, to see David the way God sees David. That God had a plan and a purpose for his life, and he called that out of him. In fact, he said to David, you know what? Your life is going to be more significant than you could ever imagine. And he calls out the best. David's relationship with Samuel made him better, made him much better. So here's the question. Do you have friends who make you better? Do you have friends who call out your potential? who call out your destiny. You need to seek out friends who will do that and who will actually model things you value. Sometimes we find friends because of certain things we have in common. Maybe it's a sport or a hobby or an event. But you ever intentionally made a friend because you saw something in them that you wish you had in you? Somebody who can call out the best in you. I had somebody like that. When I was young and new in ministry, I was called of God to be a pastor. This was after I thought I was going to be a paramedic firefighter and started down that pathway, and God corrected my course, and I felt called, a very specific call to ministry, and I had a lady who was very influential in my life. Her name was Carolyn Burwell, and she was at that time the children's pastor at First Assembly across town, now Hope Church. So I interned with her, spent time with her, worked with her, became an intern of the church, and I remember as Trisha and I had been newly married and ready to go to our first church to become children's pastors in Eugene, I remember the, the, the meeting like it was yesterday when Carolyn sat in my office and the Lord had revealed to her last night in her dreams some things about me and Trisha that she began to speak over us and kind of call that destiny out of me. I'll never forget that. Do you have somebody who's doing that in your life, who's calling out of you the best version of you, calling out of you your potential because you need them? Second friend you need, a friend to help you find strength in God and to grow in your faith. This is a friend that helps you find strength beyond yourself during those times of temptation or weakness or the life challenges that we face. You know, just as Samuel helped David see that God wanted him to do more in life than just 10 sheep and do actually more than he ever imagined, there was a guy named Jonathan who helped David find strength in God when he needed it the most. We fast forward to the story a bit into 1 Samuel beyond 16, and we go into the later chapters. We, we see basically Saul becoming very jealous of David, this young kid who killed a, a giant named Goliath. You, remember, you might recall the story. And everybody kind of sang songs about David, and Saul became jealous and desired to kill David. So David spent most of his life now before he became the actual king of Israel, although he's already been anointed, he spends his life on the run from Saul. And an unlikely friend be, encourages him. Now, this is why he's unlikely. This is Jonathan, who is the son of Saul. He is the next right king as far as 
human standards would go, the next king would be the son of the current king. And yet here's Jonathan, who becomes friends with David. And I want to look at one particular example where he speaks into David's life in a way that gives him strength. Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Verse 17, don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. I love that, that, that phrase, that Jonathan helped him find strength in God. Who do you have that helps you find strength in God when life is hard, when you're discouraged, when, when you're facing a challenge? There may not be a more valuable gesture than one friend helping another turn toward God, having those encouraging words that says, look, you can trust in the Lord. He is there for you. Maybe even has stories of their own of how God was with them in their struggles. You know, I had a friend like that in the, when I was in ministry. We were serving in, in Salem at People's Church as pastors. And going through just some real challenges as a family, as a married couple individually going through some challenges. And, and I had a friend named Tim Lohr, who was a fellow pastor at our church. He was the music pastor. We were about the same age. Our kids were the same age. And I remember just confiding in, in Tim one day. And, I'm, and then finding in him strength as we shared mutually some concerns we had and some challenges we faced as dads with young kids and young families and all that kind of stuff, it was so good to have somebody who actually encouraged me to continue to trust in the Lord. We prayed. We would pray together. Um, we would call each other accountable on some things. It was wonderful to have that kind of friendship, somebody who actually seeked to help me out. So who helps you find strength in God? God already has that person maybe somewhere right around you. It's not a sign of weakness like we saw in the video. You're not weak when you seek friendship like this. It's a sign of strength because you care to become the best version of you, and you know that left to your own, you're not going to become that. So knowing you need somebody who's going to be a strength for you, but here's the deal. We don't take the time to do this. We need to in 2019. Find that friend who will help you find strength in God. And finally, the third friend we need. A friend to tell you the truth, especially when you don't want to hear it. A friend to tell you the truth, especially when you don't want to hear it. You know, this is the type of friend I think that's most needed and hardest to find. It's most needed, but hardest to find. You know why? Because today we want to say things that make other people happy. We live in a culture where if we actually express an opinion contrary to yours, we're condemned as being people who hate and not being tolerant. How idiotic is that? That we let people go down a path of their own self-destruction because we don't want to offend them? How many wish you had somebody who was there to call you off the cliff of your stupidest decision and call you on it and say, no, you're not going to do that. Don't be an idiot. Don't you wish you had somebody who kept you from doing the dumbest thing in your life? But nobody does that anymore. Very few do it. Because we live in a society where that's not your right to tell me that. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm even going to do stupid stuff that hurts myself. 
And so we've learned to say, okay, I guess they don't want that. No, we still need this desperately in relationships today. And David had a friend like that. If David had paid attention maybe sooner, he wouldn't have got himself in trouble. But we know the story. David was alone. His soldiers were out to war. The Bible specifically says it was the time even when the kings in spring joined the army at war, David stayed back. He was alone. He didn't have his accountability leaders with him that generally were in his life, at least his close friends. Certainly he had the the priests there and the prophets there. But he was out in the cool of the evening, and in a moment of weakness, he sees Bathsheba bathing from his palace, and he lusts after her in his heart, calls her to his chambers, has sex with her. She becomes pregnant. When David finds out, he goes into the plan to cover it all up. He calls for Uriah, her husband, to come home. He was serving in military for the nation David was leading. Calls him home. Uriah refuses to sleep with his wife. While his friends are out having a very difficult time serving in military, he's like, no way. I'm not going to do that. So David sees the commitment of Uriah, and he won't do this. So he basically sentences him to death. Tells his soldier, Uriah himself carries the document that says, at the worst point of war, pull back and let Uriah die. So adultery, murder, David's worst decisions that we see. Following that story, 2 Samuel chapter 12. God saw what David did. There's not an ultimate cover-up. God knows what we do, right? Even if we think nobody else saw it. David, I'm sure, is dealing with his own remorse, his own conscience stricken. He loves God, but yet he knows that he had violated in such significant ways. And so a prophet, Nathan, comes to him, tells him a story. I won't take the time to go into it. I encourage you to read it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. But basically, the bottom line of the story is a guy was mistreating another guy. And David hears the story and gets mad at the guy who was mistreating the other and basically says, that man must die. And he looks at David, and we see it right here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all of this hadn't been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. You are the man. Think about the risk Nathan was taking. Going into the chambers of a king who had no problem committing adultery and having her husband killed. He goes past all the awkward and says, you're the man. And because of that, David repents. And the story continues and you'd see it. But many people around us only tell us things we want to hear rather than helping us see the truth. How many of us know we've got to connect to people who have our best interest in mind when we don't have our own best interest in mind? We need people like that because oftentimes we are so foolish and we do things that do not keep our interest in mind. I hope there are others around me that do. They see that and they will keep my best interest in mind as it, con- as it concerns my marriage or my kids or my finances or my life decisions. I love what Proverbs 27.5 says. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. 
Friends, too many of us, we care about maybe our close friends. We care about people around us, but it's hidden. Better open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. When was the last time you had a friend who loved you enough to give you an open rebuke? Where is that friend who loves you enough to give you that helpful correction to set your path on the right path? Do you have a friend like that around you? Everyone needs people in their lives who will candidly tell them the truth. And maybe this year, you need to connect with someone who's willing to show you what you want so you can see who you can become, the person that you need to become. There are things you don't see in yourself, and you do stupid things because of it. Maybe you need somebody who calls that out of you, says, I care about you. I, have a, I think God has a different plan for your life than you're experiencing right now. So what kind of friend do you need today, right now in your life? What kind of friend do you need? We talked about three. Maybe you need all three. What are you going to do this year to begin to pursue at least one of those? I would say prioritize. Maybe you need somebody who's going to call you on things because you're making really, really bad decisions. So that might be a priority friend right now, somebody who's going to help you make right decisions. The sociologists basically tell us this, that you eventually become the average of your five closest friends if you have five. So think about your closest friends. That means the people that you hang out with, that you party with, that you do life with. Think about those friends because you become the average of your five, your two to five, three to five closest friends. So you don't necessarily like the way life is going for you right now. You don't like the decisions you're making. You've got to stop and ask yourself the question, what kind of friends am I giving access and influence in my life? Because their values will soon become mine. Their passions will soon become mine. Their spending habits, oh, they got that newest toy? That's going to become mine. You allow these people access openly into your life, and oftentimes it is to your undoing. Maybe this is the year where you say, I don't need friends who continue to lower the quality of my life and my marriage and my parenthood and, and my religious life. I don't need anybody else to help me lower it. I need people to help me elevate the quality of my life. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Some of you are suffering harm. You have been, you will this year because you're keeping company of fools. And the Lord is saying, it's time to walk with the wise. Do you have a wise friend in your life? Do you have somebody who can help you connect in a better way to the best version of you that God has for you in 2019? Do you have a friend who is fueling your future? I close with a story about Barnabas in the book of Acts. I love this character because when he's introduced to us, he's introduced as the son of encouragement, and here's what he does. He takes this new guy named Paul, who had formerly been Saul. That's just two different ways of saying his name, but who had been an enemy of the Christian church. But Paul had been miraculously saved. But people were suspicious. And we're going to trust him, especially the church leaders who should have expected God to do things like that, right? So Barnabas takes Paul to the church leaders like James and Peter and says, look, you can trust him. I vouch for him. And that one person changed the destiny, I believe, of Paul. So my question for you, maybe my challenge for you is you might be just one friend away from a destiny that God has for you. One friend away. 
Are you going to pursue that person this year? Here's a resolution once again. Number two, this year, I will pursue healthy relationships that inspire and influence me to become the best version of me. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe today you would just honestly say, Kelly, this is something I needed to hear. I needed to hear this because I need friends like that. Maybe you're here and you're lonely. You're surrounded, you're connected, but you're alone. This takes initiative because most of these kind of friends don't necessarily walk into your life. You gotta take initiative. And here's one way you can do it. Get involved in a life group. At least there you begin to find relationship with people who maybe share at least a common interest of faith. Maybe there's a couple in that life group that you're a part of with your spouse that encourages you in your marriage. That will pray with you in the challenges that you face. Maybe we'll call you out when they see things in a kind and caring way. If you're not intentionally connecting in relation groups like life groups, you're missing out, friends, because life happens at rapid speed, and you're going to make decisions in 2019 that might continue to unravel your life, or you might find friends that call out the best version of you this year. So if you're here and saying, Kelly, I, I need this today, and I commit before the Lord to pursue healthy relationship in one of these areas this year. Just raise a hand and say, that's me, Kelly. I, I commit to do that this year. Thank you. Is one honest hand. Is there anybody else? I commit to this. I need healthy relationships around me. I know that I need this. Thank you. Let me pray with you. Father, you see the hands, you know the hearts, every person in this room. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment now, there would be a decision made right here that says, Lord, I'm going to pursue healthy relationships, which might mean I'm going to say no to some current relationships right now for a time because they're not healthy and they're not making me healthy. It doesn't mean no forever, but it might mean I need to put a pause on some friends who are influencing me right now that I might pursue healthy relationships because I don't have a lot of time. But God, I challenge each person in this room to make that decision, to pursue that friend that will call them out, the better potential of who they are, will encourage them in their weakness and in, in their temptation, that friend that will call them out when they are in trouble, when they're making a bad decision. God, we need those kinds of friends. And I pray this year we would follow the, the wise principles of Proverbs that speak about the power of friendships and how we need to pursue those. Help us. I know life is busy, but Lord, help us be intentional about this today. In Jesus' name, amen.